Mrs. McGonagall was on holiday in Thailand, having the adventure of her lifetime. She followed the tour guide among the huge bamboo stems. She had long left behind the murderous chaos among her stinging nettles, which by now was simply a painful memory. But then, something caught her eye. It was big, the size of a large button, and it was bright yellow with thirteen black spots. To her, it was merely another beautiful sight to take in on her holiday. But the aphids on the bamboo stems knew the truth, and they were preparing for the final battle. everyone and welcome to episode 30 of Hidden Wings and Bloodlust. I'm your host Rachel. So I've got quite an exciting announcement. I've just recorded an interview with Helen Day who runs the Ladybird Flyaway Home website which is an extensive resource on Ladybird books from their creation in 1914 to late 1975. I'm really excited about that and it will be coming out in a few weeks. So secondly I do actually have to make a correction you might remember that I said that there are 11 species in the Coxinella genus, but there are actually more than 253, so I'm really sorry about that. And on another recent episode, I can't remember which one, I said that Chilicorus Kuanae was a Latin name of the twice-stabbed ladybug, but it's actually not. It was found in Asia, and as I said in the episode on the kidney spot ladybird, it was genetically determined to be the same species as the kidney spot. The twice stab ladybug, if you remember, is almost exactly the same as the kidney spot. It simply has um, a different kind of surface to its elytra, but you would need to actually look at it through a microscope to determine that. So my podcast recommendation for this week is Red Handed. It's a very successful show and very popular. And if you listen to True Crime at all, you might have heard of it. And if you want to hear about actual murders and ghost stories rather than just murders of aphids, you should go check it out. It's really entertaining and the things that Hannah and Saruti say are often a little bit more focused on rehabilitation and restorative justice than the usual true crime podcasts out there. And I really like their approach, which is both funny and sensitive to the victims of crime. So recently, I did a poll on Twitter and I asked which ladybird my followers wanted to hear about from a selection of four. And there were two winners, actually. So I decided to pick one. So if you're ready, let's get started. Right, so if you live in England, this week the lockdown rules have been relaxed quite a lot. You can now go to the pub and the hairdressers and so on, as long as you stay outside. But the weather has, at least where I am, still been pretty cold. It's been sort of down to minus one at night and only around sort of nine, ten on average during the day and usually colder than that. And 
unlike Mrs. McGonagall and her family, we're still pretty much unable to go abroad, especially not to places like Thailand, Bali or Indonesia or anywhere like that. And even before the pandemic, it's pretty hard to go to these places for a lot of people because of cost and distance. But don't worry, because this week you're going to get the next best thing. I'm going to tell you all about a ladybird that lives in the idyllic warm climates of South East Asia, specifically in the bamboo forests. The giant bamboo ladybird, Sinonica grandis. I know I've got listeners in South East Asia, and if you live in the region and you want to tell me whether I've got something wrong, what you think of the episode, or you want to report your sightings of this ladybird, then please do get in touch. I'd really love to know what you thought. And I should add at this point that Sinonica grandis is actually not the only ladybird with the name giant bamboo ladybird. There are a few other species with that common name as well. But we're going to talk about this one today in some regional languages, also known as the Golden 13 Star Ladybird. This insect's name is not to be confused with Sinonka, which is an old-fashioned word for fever, or Sinonikia, I think, which is a medical condition where two or more finger or toenails are joined together. No, this is Sinonica grandis. So, the giant bamboo ladybird, as the name suggests, is one of the biggest ladybirds in the world. Most of the sources I found state that it is around 1.2 centimetres long and it is not unheard of for this ladybird to get up to one and a half centimetres. So for comparison, this 1.5 or one and a half centimetres is around twice the size or just under twice the size of an average seven spot. And if you take the smallest ladybird in the UK, Stetherus bacillus, covered all the way back in episode 6 at between 1.5 and 1.2 millimetres long, this is around 10 times the size of that ladybird. The giant bamboo ladybird is also very wide and very round. It is around 1 centimetre wide and often around 1.2 centimetres wide. In other words, by ladybird standards, it is a monster. And if you think that the astonishing facts around it stop at its size, then you're wrong. I've seen photos of it and you really can't miss it. You, you can't miss it at all. It's, it's completely, it just stands out so much. Most of the photos of it that I've seen show it with 13 large spots. And that's where it gets one of its names, which translates to golden 13 star ladybird and I suppose the spots kind of do look like stars sometimes. The ladybird comes in either bright yellow, orange or bright red and it predominantly lives in giant bamboo forests in Southeast Asia e.g. Thailand, Taiwan, Myanmar, Indonesia, Vietnam, China and so on and it's got some records in places like India and even Australia. According to the website Project Noah, which records animal sightings around the world, it has a transverse black marking on the bottom half of its head, a large trapezoidal sort of shaped like a trapezium 
or a trapezoid marking at the base of its pronotum, at the centre, just near where it meets the elytra, but sort of stopping before it gets near the head. And there are 13 black spots on the ladybird's elytra. Most are arranged in a sort of one, two, two pattern on each side. But the other three, which sort of alternate with these one, two, two arrangement of spots, intersect the ladybird's elytra on what's called the suteral line. And that is the edge of the ladybird's wings where they meet each other. So these large central spots alternate with the rows of multiple spots. The last spot is near the ladybird's back legs. And there's no scutellary spot, I'm afraid to say. The underside is reddish brown or yellowish brown. And the ladybird is what's called strongly convex, meaning it is round and very dome-shaped. There's also quite a wide rim around the edge of the elytra. So the pupa of the giant bamboo ladybird is orange with black markings and it does look remarkably like a seven spot pupa in my opinion. I've only found one picture of what is identified as the larvae although I can't be sure because it's on an old angel fire site which might not be the most reliable source and it shows them in their final form before they become a pupa. So these larvae which are allegedly Synonica grandis are black and spiky with one yellow band on the top third of the abdomen, two pairs of yellow tubercules about a millimetre from the yellow band and then four pairs of yellow spikes near the head. In the earlier forms they have the same yellow band but fewer pairs of tubercules and other yellow markings although some are still there. And if you're new to listening to the show and don't know what I'm talking about I do discuss things like tubercules, scutellary spots and so on in some of the previous episodes especially those on the five spot ladybird and coccinella sauce rotti and if you don't know what a seven spot pupa looks like and you're totally lost then it's basically orange with black markings and and spots. Although the pronotum is generally the same colour as the rest of the ladybird, in some of the photos I've seen it's a little bit paler or duller. And I've got no idea, I haven't been able to find out why the ladybird is so massive or how it evolved to look like this. However, perhaps the fact that its prey is so feisty is one clue. After all, as you know, if you're listening to this podcast, they're black, they're red. If you're an aphid, you're dead. However... In this case, it can sometimes end up with a ladybird being dead. Because, among other prey sources, the giant bamboo ladybird feeds on a bamboo woolly aphid, Pseudoregna bambusicola. And this aphid has evolved to fight back. This aphid is dark brown, covered with a thick waxy powder. It's about two or three millimetres long. And it has a very strong reproductive ability. So, soldier aphids have been found to exist in many species of aphid. And some of these can even protect the aphid colony by sacrificing their own lives. And in the case of the Pseudoregma genus, these soldiers have been described as being like pseudo-scorpions, which have got 
thickened forelegs and sharpened horns. They use the legs to grip the predators they encounter and pierce it with their horns. And a woolly aphid can also climb on a predator, such as a ladybird, and kill it by inserting their sucking mouthparts. These soldiers are typically quite young when they start out in this battle situation, just at the first instar, meaning they've only just hatched out of the egg. The differentiation between the aphids they'll be protecting, who will not be soldiers, starts way back in the egg. So perhaps it's no surprise that this ladybird is so well protected. The giant bamboo ladybird has been found, unsurprisingly, to have a better survival rate when there are fewer soldier aphids in the aphid colony they are attacking. And what I also found surprising about them was that they've got an overwintering stage, which can be successfully replicated in the lab by lowering the temperature to between 15 and 20 degrees. Well, we would be very lucky to get that here at the moment. It was found that the overwintering ladybirds have got the best chance of survival when they are fed sugar water combined with a species called sugar cane aphids, which were frozen and then given to the ladybird combined with this water. Another interesting fact about the giant bamboo ladybird is that when the female is laying eggs, instead of laying it in a tight clutch like the seven spot, which tends to sort of pack them all together, this ladybird lays them well spaced apart with several millimetres gap between each egg. So when I was researching this episode, I found a number of jewellery sites where this ladybird has been preserved as a necklace or a keyring or something like that. And you can buy them on eBay. And I really hope that the giant bamboo ladybirds were dead when they found them and they didn't just kill it for the purpose of making it into jewellery. But I don't really know if there's a way of finding that out. I've heard both good and bad things about the ethics of insect jewellery. So perhaps there's someone out there that's bought one or that's made one and can let me know. And it's not really a big surprise that it's being used as a jewellery item as it's just so huge and it's so pretty. Unfortunately, in recent years, a lot of bamboo forests have become threatened due to deforestation and desire for land, as well as increased demand for bamboo. A lot of it is from China, but some of it is from other countries as well. Bamboo has been called the plant of a thousand uses. However, a 2004 study found that over half the world's woody bamboo species, I think there's around 1,200 in total, over half of those had become threatened with extinction by 2004. Bamboo can grow up to 1.2 metres per day, per day, at a certain point within its life cycle, and is a very important food source for both animals and people, and has an absolutely remarkable growth rate that I didn't even know about before I researched it. 1.2 metres per day for a plant is incredible. And it supports a variety of species, including the giant bamboo ladybird. In some areas, there is the opposite problem. A Chinese study in 2020 found that cultivated strains of bamboo can escape into nearby forests, act as invasive species and affect the ecosystem in these forests, displacing native plants and negatively impacting soil processes and biodiversity. Natural bamboo forests can also end up becoming monocultures, 
especially when the demand for bamboo is so great around the world, that preserving it as a natural forest is not necessarily commercially viable. So I also want to point out that although it's often thought that China is uniquely bad in terms of the farming practices and sort of business practices causing environmental damage, and there has indeed been a lot of this caused by what's been happening with Chinese corporations, much of the demand for bamboo furniture and other items comes from Western countries, especially sort of like artisan garden furniture and like, you know, that all that all that kind of thing. In twenty oh four, the global bamboo trade was estimated at one point seven billion dollars and it is probably even more today. I wasn't able to find out how much economic damage aphids specifically cause to China's bamboo industry, but bamboo pests in China cause the loss of ten percent of the crops every year. And in Texas, where another species of sugarcane aphid has become an invasive species on sorghum as well as sugarcane, this aphid might have cost farmers $23 million in lost profits in 2014 and $17 million in 2015 due to the damage it was doing to their crops. But there is some good news. In many countries in Southeast Asia, the giant bamboo ladybird has become valued as a very important predator against the aphids which damage the valuable crops and it has been encouraged as a biological control successfully in many areas. The ladybird also feeds on other pests such as the sugarcane aphid as we've said which causes problems for the sugarcane industry. Bamboo pests can cause huge economic losses and the ladybirds can help prevent that especially as there being a move away from pesticides and towards more sustainable methods of farming, not just in the West, but also in developing countries and, to some extent, China. And I'm afraid this is not an area I've got too much knowledge about, so if you do know about it and you want to chat about it, then please get in touch. I really hope you've enjoyed this episode. I've really looked forward to doing it for a long time. I'd absolutely love to see this ladybird in its habitat and maybe one day I'll get to go to one of these bamboo forests and see it there. I can just imagine it walking around the stalks of bamboo just doing its thing. So if you like this show and want to support me, you can buy me a coffee at Kofi at ko-fi.com slash HWAB podcasts. You can also like my Facebook page, Hidden Wings and Bloodlust. Follow me on Twitter at HWAB podcast or on Instagram at 365.ladybird. Music at the start of the show is by Deborah Torrance. Thanks for listening and goodbye for now.